not in a holding pattern. The vision is still the same. Our passion is still the same. And the mission is still the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Let me pray over our building if that's all right. In fact, I might, sorry to put you on the spot, ask uh, Pastor Jacob to pray for our building. Yeah, Lord, I thank you that you have a home for us, Lord God. You say that houses and land are an inheritance from Father. And as your children, Lord, we just say thank you. We say thank you for our for a home of our own, Lord. Say thank you for a home of our own, Lord God. A place where the gospel can be preached. A place where lives can be impacted, Lord God. Where people can be healed, Lord. Where people can be restored. Where people can be equipped, Lord God, to, to go out themselves and make a difference, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just... Uh, we breathe on the, the, these pledges, Lord God. We just, we just say thank you, Lord. We just command a growth, Lord. And we just look forward expectantly and excitedly, Lord, for what you've got for us, for the home that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Just a couple of quick announcements. We have our growth group starting back this week. Are you ready? The kids are going back to school and our growth groups start. Who's excited? I'm excited. Um, and so, you know, our growth groups are just really a place. We believe that we grow best through relationship. That's what we believe. And, and, the, and we're created, we're really created out of relationship for relationship. With who? With God and with others. And so our growth groups, we provide this place for you guys, for your friends, for your family, so that you can come together in a smaller setting and build relationship and learn more about God. And who do we learn off? Not so much just the growth leaders. We learn off each other because everybody has so much good stuff to say. Uh, God speaks to people differently. And so we come together and God just moves in that space. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of our growth groups. Is that okay? Uh, this uh, term, we're starting a new study and it's called the distorted images of God restoring our vision. And you know, we might say... Um, what we believe but really what's in our thoughts and our hearts sometimes we have a wrong understanding of God we we have wrong thinking uh, and even though we speak it out our actions and our words sometimes are, are different and so it's replacing these lies that you don't even know that you're believing uh, and replacing it with God's truth and, um, and so I really encourage you to, to get along to, to a growth group. Join up if you haven't and uh, start this study with us. You know, God wants to move in your life and, and, and he wants to grow you and in your relationship with him and understand his character more. That's the word I'm looking for, to understand his character more. And so I've got one of our growth leaders, Amanda and Paul, uh, but Amanda's going to come up and just share for a little bit uh, right now. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, put your hands together. The joy of, of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Mel. Morning, everyone. So I recently finished an amazing book by A.W. Tozer, and I don't know if you know A.W. Tozer, but I love him because he always encourages the reader to seek to know God, not just about what God can give us, but to seek to actually know him. Anyway, about a quarter of the way to the end of the book, from the end of the book, Tozer gives us an illustration of the high priest in the tabernacle. And please note, there are many numerous illustrations and interpretations, but this is just one. So first he talks about the, the high priest at the outer court. And in the outer court, there is no roof. It's just natural lighting. It's the sunshine and nat natural lighting in the outer court. 
So the priest would be out in this natural area. You know, the, let's start that again. In the outer court where there's people. Next, he passes into the inner court of the holy place. Here there was no natural light, but rather artificial light, which the priests would keep alight. Beyond the holy place was the holy of holies, where there is no natural light or artificial light. There was only the supernatural light and glory of God, which would shine magnificently from the mercy seat. I think we miss the importance of how magnificent this would have been. The high priest would be in the very presence of God, the true and living, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God. And I don't know about you, but for me, this must have been frightening, humbling, and spectacular all at once. So why am I telling you this? Well, because the Bible tells us that we are priests. You can see this in Peter and in Revelation. Then it stands to reason that the high priest of the Old Testament must have some significance to us. So for the purpose of us being a priest, the outer court with the natural light could represent our understanding and our, you know, the, sorry, it could represent our church and the things that we depend on. The holy place with the artificial light could possibly represent our theology and our belief and understanding of what we believe the character of God to be. But the point that I really found most profound when reading this that when the high priest moved into the Holy of Holies, he was alone. No other person could go in with him. Yes, he might have had helpers that could have pushed the veil back for him, but there were no volunteers or church leaders to hold his hand to get into the Holy of Holies. He had to do this on his own. But please also note just on this, he was chosen. He was chosen by God. And this is true for us, that for us to get to know God and not just know about Him, and for us, we need to go into that Holy of Holies alone. The only thing that the high priest could take with him was the blood of a sacrificial offering. Without this sacrifice, the priest wouldn't have been able to enter into God's presence. When he was in there, he had no human reassurance, no human help or counsel. He had to fully trust in the divine character of God and believe that the blood sacrifice was enough. The sacrifice that Jesus has made for us by the shedding of his blood is all we need to boldly come into the presence of God. And we also need to trust in his divine goodness and character. And he awaits with delight for us to come to know him. So as Pastor Mel has said, these are growth groups that are starting up again. It's around the distorted images of God and about getting to know God for who he is. So if I can just encourage all of you as Pastor Mel has, please, if you're not part of a connect group or growth group, get signed up, come and join us as we all grow together in learning more about God. Awesome, thank you so much, Amanda. All right, I'm not gonna speak any longer. Um, Pastor Jacob has a word for us this morning. Are you ready for it? Let's prepare our hearts. Or let's not. Come forward. Put your hands together. Pastor Jacob. Summer sessions, one hour. Hope you're prepared. We've got to crack on. Uh, we're almost at Australia New Year's. February 1 is Australia New Year's, where kids go back to school, growth groups start. Basically, life gets back to normal. 
uh, have fun with some of my friends who are, have immigrated to Australia. They laugh at how we January is this write-off month. So, well, welcome. Uh, I love it. Uh, so, w- w- what what I want to do with this morning is is I want to have a look at getting real, like like actually getting real, and. Um, so often what that means getting when, when we think about getting real, what, what we're actually trying to communicate is we're talking about being honest with ourselves and what we're actually, what generally means by that. And, and we hear the word, the phrase often, my truth and your truth and all of that, be, be, you know, be true to yourself and to your, and like what, what people are really communicating with that is that they're, they're basically saying, my version of reality is I'm going to conform with that and, and I'm going to be true to my, my perception of what's going on. And, and that's what I really want to deal with this morning is I, I would like to help you adjust your perceptions. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are truth personified. Hallelujah. You say that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just elevate you right now and we humble ourselves under your word, and we say, do what you need to do, want to do, and take pleasure in doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, We had our our growth group leaders, we got together the other day at our place, and um, and, and I was, you know, Melissa asked me to share a devotion, and I thought I would practice my sermon on them. So, but really what I was, what what I sort of started with sharing was, um, you know, I, I've been through a bit of a, a season where I've been tested, and, and God does test us. He, he has seasons where He'll step back and, and see what's in our heart. Um, there's, you know, the psalmist pray, Lord, test me, see what's in my heart, try me. And, he, and God will do it from time to time. And it's all that He doesn't know what's in your heart, but He actually wants to give us an opportunity to, uh, to, to prove ourselves. He wants to give us an opportunity to rise. And also in those opportunities, a big part of that opportunity is we get to see what's in our heart. And I, and I was, you know, been in a bit of a funk. Um, and a, a few things that sort of happened in, in, you know, in concert. There was firstly, you know, as a lot of you might have known, I, I broke my arm recently. And then, um, and, and then I, I've had a couple of, I've, I've applied for a couple of, different positions at my work and you know and, and and they haven't come through as yet and and I just in this place where I just found myself really angry at God I was like I was just just ang- well firstly I wasn't so I wouldn't have articulated it as angry at God I just would have articulated it as angry <laughs> angry at my wife angry at my kids angry at the people on the road that cut me off or may have just merged earlier than I would have <laughs> Whatever it is, and realize, oh, I realized I was angry. I'm like, God, what is going on here? And as I sort of just look and, and it just took some time to get real with myself. And by get real with myself, I don't mean try to force everything else to line up with my perception. What I actually do is I get vulnerable and humble and actually say, hey, this is what I'm seeing, how much of it is real. And the first thing I I know to do is, is I know that anger is a secondary emotion. Anger is not a primary emotion. Anger gets caused by a primary emotion. And what I realized is I was so upset and so angry about uh, 
firstly about the the positions with work where I wasn't where the, where these opportunities just didn't come through, and I was like, God, and then I'm sorry, okay, God, what what what's triggering this anger? And what I really saw is that I was disappointed that there was an opportunity for a title increase, and I was like, I would have liked that. That would have tickled my little ego, and uh, my my view of myself would have been elevated by an elevation in title. And that was quite confronting for me to actually have to see and acknowledge, and I was okay. And then there would have also been a pay increase, and that would have been also made me feel better about myself as, you know, because of being acknowledged, uh, you know, as doing a more significant job because they're saying we'll pay you more, so therefore it must be more significant. And, and I actually found, you know, and, and I really saw myself actually being quite, quite dejected because of my image of myself was lowered. And, and actually, and that triggered the anger. And another thing was with my arm, my whole life, my whole adult life, I, I've walked around in, in, you know, understanding that I came out of a quite a rough scene and being able to defend yourself was a core part of that life. But then moving on from there, even getting healthy, I was always strong, I was always fit, I could always handle myself, I'd you know, always, always trained and, and I was never ever scared ever to be in any environment with anybody. There was never somebody that I would see and the thought that they could beat me would cross my mind. The thought that I wouldn't be able to hold my own would cross my mind. And I'm finding myself in the last few months walking past groups of people where they're doing things that I don't, I'm not okay with and, and I know that if it come down to it, I couldn't f- impose my will on them. And, and that was made me feel really, really vulnerable and really, really insecure. And that was quite confronting for me to actually have to realize Firstly, how I'd always seen things and then also working out where my security actually lay. And one of the things I really saw was that too much of my identity was wrapped up in position. Too much of my identity was wrapped up in my perception of how other people saw me. Too much of my identity was wrapped up in my physical abilities. And and it really took me to a place where I'm like, whoa, hang on, pull back, pull back. All right, God, you got me here again. Because I've been here before. Testadore, hard-headed. <laughs> and and it, it, I've been here before, and I know that God doesn't hurt us to damage us, but I do know that He will, the Scripture says that He disciplines those He loves. It says He disciplines those He loves. And, and I do know that sometimes you get a little smack that's not going to actually break you, but it will get your attention. It will humble you. It will get you to the point where you're able to stop and repent and point back in the direction that God wants us to be facing. So I thought this morning what I'd like to do is to be able to help us to align what we're seeing with reality. I thought what I'd like us to do is to actually get real. Um, One of the things we've really got to understand is that we are products of our environment. And... You were a product of your environment. You are a product of your environment, but this first step I want us to see is that you were a product of your environment. And what do I mean by that? I mean that the way that God has designed us is to be, to- to be super fast learners. 
Uh, the faster you learn, the, the quicker you go in life, the better your life is. Prob- and, and, all, and ultimately, all that learning is, is how to make decisions. That's all learning is, is, is processing decisions. And you know what, you want to hit a crazy number. They reckon, science, scientists reckon that we make about 35,000 decisions in a day. 35,000 decisions in a day. You're awake, if you get eight hours sleep, you're awake for about 56,000 seconds. What that means is that every one and a half second you've just made a decision. You're making, every one, basically, every one and a half seconds you're making a decision. And you're like, what do I mean? Well, when you're walking, you're actually thinking step one, step two, step three. You're actually, that's actually a decision. And so what, the way we're designed is that so, that God knows it's best if we don't have to be conscious of those decisions we're making. And they, they go into what, what our subconscious. They go into a, a part of our brain that, that God has designed for us to operate in, on a level where we're not actually having to, it's not taking up our brain space. And a lot of us will know, like, and, the, and the, the more stuff you can have automated, the more brain space you've got for important things. Let's just talk about, you know, for those that know how to drive a manual car, I remember driving it, learning how to drive first. It was like, okay, make sure it's in gear. Foot on clutch. Depress clutch as you press accelerator. Wait for friction. Then, and you're actually having to cognitively process this as you go. After a short period of time, this is fluid. It's, it's not even, you don't even realize it. And then you're learning how to get to a certain destination. And then, and then after a while, you're not even realizing you're driving. That's, there's so much stuff is becoming automated. And this is great. This is, this is really, really good. This is just a f- amazing how intricately our brains have been designed to be able to make three, uh, 36,000 decisions in a day. And, and, and so many of them uh, we don't even have to deal with. The problem is, is that as we're not dealing with so many of them, if you've made a pro- if you've mistakenly programmed some of those things means they are there and your life is operating with some misconceptions uh, and we're making decisions fluidly but some of them are wrong some of these things we've learned things through life and they're wrong but we've got it as part of our core operating system and we're, we're walking along and we think this is life we think this is just how it is and everyone else sees it like this and this is just real life uh but the problem is, is that so much stuff is, is not accurate because you're a product of your environment. You and for a really good example is, is a friend of mine from school, he joined the army and he, uh, you know, he went off to war. One time where him and some of his army buddies were on furlough, they were in Queensland, uh, I think it was on the Gold Coast, and, and a car went past and backfired. Those guys, bang, jumped over a wall, hid behind the wall. After a little while, three of, there was four of them, three of them got up, ha, 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 silly ass, because they had, automa- they had programmed themselves, bang is bad, bang means hide. One of the guys, when they got it, was lying on the floor still trembling, and, and had, it was in a really bad way, because his automa- he'd auto- that process had become automated for them was correct for that context, was not correct for this current context. And so what we can see is that things change according to our context or according to our environment. You've been shaped in an environment. This is why this point is called you were 
you were a product because you were in a particular environment. You are no longer in that particular environment. And we're going to get to that shortly where we're able to see that our environment has changed. We have a new reality. Point two is we have a new reality. This is what the scripture says. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. You were over there. My friend was over in East Timor. Then he was in Queensland. You were in the kingdom of darkness. You are now in the kingdom of God's dear son. You are now in the kingdom of light. You are now in the kingdom of God. You have learnt things in a foreign context that now you don't even realize are programmed into your mind because it's just part of your operating. So what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to go through our filter and work out what is applicable and what needs to be discarded. Some of the things in our new reality is that the first thing is, is that our identity has shifted. You are a child of God. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. You're a child of God. You are loved. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believed in Him will not perish, but would have everlasting life. You are just like Jesus, 1 John 4.17. As He is, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. You are just like Jesus. That will mess with your head if you're taking old thinking. Your new environment, in your new context... We need to be, the same as we were a product of our environment, we need to become a product of our new environment. You are just like Jesus. You are an heir of the world, Romans 4.13. You are an heir of the world. That means it's yours. That means it's yours. The, 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 our forefather Abraham, um, was, we spoke about this in prayer this morning. God said to him, wherever you put the sole of your feet, you can have it. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus, the Bible says, have it all. As much as Jesus has it all, you have it all. And we're to walk in that. Uh, Philippians 4.13 says, you are more than enough. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am enough. More than that, I am more than enough. In this new context, in this new environment, you are more than enough. That, that, that we need to stop having this hesitancy with our decisions. We need to stop having this hesitancy with, with, our, with being confident because you are more than enough. You might, history and life might have taught you you're not. In your old environment, in the kingdom of darkness, you learn a lot of times that you're not enough. It's a message you get loud and clear. Big red crosses on your schoolwork. Parents saying, no, naughty, uh, you're making mistakes, friends not wanting you to play with you because you're not wearing the right clothes, people not wanting to, getting picked last because you're not good at sport, all these different things, you're not enough. Very loud and clear. Your new context, your new environment, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear son says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You are more than enough. It gets better, it keeps going, it says you have more than enough. We come from a poverty, we're, we're in, the old, in the old system, in the old environment, where we're, we're struggling to get by. If you don't hang on to it, you lose it. The new kingdom, the new environment, 
A new context says that God will supply all of your needs, not according to your ability, not according to the economy, not according to how much Scott Morrison's going to dish out for COVID stimulus. He said, but according to his glories and riches. You've got more than enough. We're living from a place of excess. And another cool one, which I just sort of added, it says, you are healed. First Peter Chapter 2 says, by his wounds you were, past tense, it's done, healed. When we pray, we're not, dear Jesus, heal me. Because that's not what it says. That's what it said back in the old system. You need healing. The new system says you are healed. So you just got to get what's yours. The last thing I want to deal with is learning a new habit. We talked about things being automated. We talked about stuff that was just part of our processing, shaped by our environment. Well, seeing as we now live in a new environment, seeing as our reality, we have a new reality, we need to allow that environment to shape us. We need to let those truths we just read shape us. We need to let those truths become real. We need to get real. And that doesn't mean your truth. No, 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 no. It means the truth. They're very, very different. Your truth is subjective. You know, there's this study that is, it's, it's often done actually uh, in, um, di- well, diff- people using all sorts of different training. But what they'll do is there's, they'll get like a, a, a room like this, say, and they'll say, right, you guys all close your eyes for one second and then, they'll pop an image on the screen just for one second. It'll be a line drawing of a young girl. Just one second will be up and then boom, stops. And they'll say, now you guys close your eyes and then you guys watch this. And then for one second, it'll flash on the screen. It's a line drawing of an old lady. Then they say, for everybody, they put up this picture that's an amalgamation of the two drawings. And almost without fail, the side of the building that was shown the picture of the young girl, they will see a young girl. The side of the picture that was shown the old lady, they will see the old lady. And they, it, it actually take, generally takes quite a bit of adjusting for them to be able to see the other side because they were conditioned by their environment. And, and, and even when we step into a new environment, so, so normal for us to be hanging on to our old perceptions, even though things have changed. Even though my friend wasn't in East Timor anymore, he was in Queensland, his old perceptions dominated his subconscious thinking. And his responses were according to his old thinking. Now, there is a very big difference between knowing the right answers and having the right response. They are different things. A lot of us, if you've been in church, especially in our church, or a word of faith or a Bible-believing church for too long, you would actually be able to tell me those scriptures. You would be able to say, yeah, I'm a child of God. Uh, Yeah, I'm loved. Yeah, I'm an heir of the world. Yeah, I'm healed. You'd be able to say that stuff verbatim, most of you. Very, very different thing, knowing the right answers to actually having the right, to actually having that as part of your belief. They're two different things. So our, our challenge is to shift 
and change our mind. Do you know what Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here? That was his one message. He didn't say, come and go to church. He didn't say, come and uh, get born again. That these even weren't his messages. His main message was repent for the kingdom of God is here. His number one message was change the way you think. As you change the way you think, everything else falls into place. Everything else. You want to do the right thing. You want to be in the right places. You want to, you, you, you want to give your heart to God. You want to be able to, all of these things fall into place. So I want us to have a look at something here. Jesus said the coolest thing in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Uh, sorry, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. There's a mark of, not even, now I can't speak for, no, I will speak for, the majority of the people I've met anywhere in the world, there's something common, they have something common, they're tired, they're tired, they're exhausted, there's there's a struggle, doesn't matter where I've seen them in Asia or in Europe or in Australia, even with our January long New Year's, (laughs) they're tired. And Jesus is saying here, you're tired because you're doing things your way. That's why you're tired. That's why you're tired. Jesus says, take my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So what does he want to teach us? How's he trying to teach us? There is a battle for your mind. There is a battle for your identity. There is a, there is a battle for what kingdom you're going to live in. Live in. And, and I, want to, I want to break this down for you. There's the battle for your identity is a battle for your mind. The battle for your mind is a battle for your heart. The battle for your heart is a battle for your mouth. The battle for your mouth is a battle for your spoken words. There is a battle for the words that come out of your mouth. And I don't mean your answers. I don't mean your answers. I don't care about your answers. You can give me all the right answers and that's cool and you get a nice tick from the teacher but what I want to know is what are you saying under pressure listen to this 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 verse 4 says this I always thank God my God for you because his grace given you in Jesus Christ for in him you have been enriched in every way have been past tense done with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack. Therefore, because of that, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. You don't lack any spiritual gift because you have been enriched in every way. And this tells us how, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. It's new kingdom thinking. It's kingdom of Jesus thinking that comes out your mouth. It matters that it's in your heart. Luke uh, 6 says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another place says the mouth, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Under pressure, what's in here comes out here and that matters and you think well why is there a battle for that why is there a fight for what comes out of my mouth it's no it's not for what comes out of your mouth it's for what comes out of your heart through your mouth 
Because Jesus said this, Now have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. I've heard too many people say that this is going to be a horrible year. I've heard too many people say that this is going to be a bad year. This is going to be a hard. I don't care. Says who? Where does it say in this book that this is going to be a bad year? It doesn't say it here. It actually says that, that this is the year of the Lord's favor. That's what this says. That's what this says. We line our mouth up with what this says. You, you might be downtrodden. You might have had a hard 2021. You might have been even hit early in 2022. And your system is telling you this is going to be a hard year. You might be an intelligent person looking at the news, looking at the figures and all of this. And this says 2022 is going to be hard. Okay, but you're being conditioned by the old system. You're being conditioned by your former environment. The new environment says that this is the year of the Lord's favor. That's what it says. Our prophecy, our words spoken from our heart needs to be, this is the year of the Lord's favor. That's what it says. That's what we say. That's what will come to pass. This is how we live. The system changes. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. If you believe in your heart that this is going to be a bad year and you're speaking that, hey, it's going to be a bad year. It's going to be because you're prophesying that over your life. It says it will be done. Now people talk about keeping it real. We've got to adjust. We've got to make our reality conform with the reality with the reality. That's what it means. I'm excited for 2022. 2022 will be my best year yet. I don't know about you, but it will be mine. It will be mine. 2022 will be the best year in the life of everyday church. It will be. I don't care what happens in Perth. Well, I do care, but um, that doesn't influence what happens in the life of everyday church. We will have our best year yet. You want to keep it real? This is real. Everything that contradicts this is a lie. Our experiences might contradict it. Life's lessons, we shall call them, might contradict it. You know, the scripture says that by his wounds you were healed, but I saw my dad die of cancer. Do you know what? I learned nothing. I learned nothing from that. I learned that I don't know enough. That's what I learned. I learned I don't know enough. I learned there's stuff I don't know because I know that if Jesus was there in person, my dad would have been healed. I know that. I know that Jesus wouldn't have said, oh, it's your time to go. He wouldn't have done that. It doesn't say one place in the scripture where he did that to anybody. There's not one place where he didn't heal them. That's all it is, is I don't know enough. That's what I learned. I, I, that's, that, that's what I learned. This year, if we're gonna, we face some bumps in the road, <laughs> we're going to learn, guys. We're going to humble ourselves, like we spoke about earlier. Hey, here's my life, God. Where is it inconsistent to your word? Where am I not being real with, in accordance to your scripture? Amen. Let's pray, guys. Hallelujah. 
Just if anyone's here and, and you don't know God, and, and by that, I mean, we, we spoke earlier that this, we, we, one of the truths is that God loves you and that God wants you as part of your, His family. You know, if you're not, you couldn't say to me, Jacob, I'm in God's family. I am a child of God. There's so many more truths that I would love to have highlighted. Another one says you're forgiven. Other, other, there's scriptures that say that you have peace. There's scriptures that say you have joy. All of these things. If you couldn't say to me, Jacob, I know I'm a child of God, then this is your time. This is your time to step into that and make that truth, make that your truth. We're going to pray. It includes you guys online. We're going to pray a prayer as a church. We're all going to pray. And what this prayer is, is we're going to pray a, a prayer to, to join God's family. So just church, repeat after me. Dear God, today I choose to come home. Forgive me for living life my own way. Today, From today forward, I'll walk with you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to just invite you to slip your hand in the air so I can see it. Or if you're online, just write, hey, that's me. And we'd love to help you on your journey. I'm going to pray for us all because I, I preach this and the words are easier to say because like I said before, it's so easy to have the right answers. It's so easy. What's hard is letting go of the wrong answers in our heart. Lord Jesus, I just release your truth over us, Lord, that we would get real. We would let your word become real in our lives where your word says certain things that contradict what we have learnt. We yield them to your word, God. We surrender them to your word and we say, God, my experience has shown me this, but your word says this. So I change my opinion to what your word says rather than what I've learnt through my experience. I humble myself under your word. As you do this, guys, something will change in your heart. And then what's going to happen is your mouth will change. And then what's going to happen as your mouth changes is you're going to be a constant fountain of prophecy. You're going to prophesy what God says about circumstances. You're going to prophesy about what God says about people. You're going to prophesy about what God says about the atmosphere. You're going to prophesy about what God says about the future. And I don't mean being some spooky, weird prophet sort of type person. I mean that you'll be speaking truth. And where the truth you speak isn't evident yet, it will come into line with what you say because it's backed by the power of heaven. Lord, as a church, we commit ourselves to being believers of truth and speakers of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we're just going to worship for a, for a little bit longer. And I'd love it if just, you know, if that word spoke to you, just, just while we're worshiping, just, just invite God into that space. Just invite God to just, just, just to do ministry with you. And if you need prayer for anything, any, anything at all, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Well, thanks, Ben. Come on, church.